If you have your Bibles, I'm in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm closing out my series about the call of God. Uh, I enjoy studying the way in which God calls people and the purposes that he has for them. And I think that it's time for you to not just discover what he's called for you, but also to walk in everything that God has foreordained that you walk in. And, you know, I, I really fought this week on, you know, what to prepare, what to present. Um, I'm going to spend the next part of October dealing with spiritual warfare uh, because I think that the, the times that we're in, it's like you can feel the weight and pressure of these last days. And then uh, later on in the year, I hope to address some end times issues because it's really something stirring. And you can just kind of feel the magnitude of the moment. You know that you were born for such a time as this? That means that God called you and purposed you and gave you a grace to be at this very season. So I want to read from Ephesians 4. I want to read the first six verses, and then I want to pray. Here, here's what Paul wrote uh, when he said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling to which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He said, there's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's above all and through all and in you all. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, I thank you for the scriptures that they would bring life. I pray, Lord, for revelation and insight. God, give us, give us uh, insight into the things that you've put in our hearts for the times that we live. And I pray that it would become real and clear to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said... Amen and amen. Now, I was thinking back, this memory came to my mind, about one of my most cherished memories when I was in my 20s. I was in early 20s, and I was really praying about what the future held for me, about you know going into the ministry, what should I do? And, and I had no better guy to consult than my dear friend, a man named Brother Robert L. Brandt, R.L. Brandt. Some of you might remember Brother Brandt. Uh, he was uh, a district presbyter in the Assemblies of God, uh, and he actually was very t near the top of the denomination, a wonderful man with character, with integrity. And I thought, man, I'm in my you know, early 20s. Here's a guy in his late 80s, and I want to consult him about the call of God. And you know, he said something very interesting to me as we discussed, and it just found it coming out of my spirit as I was talking to people. Uh, he said that you discover the call of God as you walk it out. And I just, I don't know what it was. I found myself just telling people that, you know, encouraging them. Because a lot of times people get confused. They don't know specifically what has God called them to do. And, and a lot of times when you have been called by God to do something, as everybody has, it takes place as you start applying things and moving forward and, and, and start walking out the plan of God for your life. And so this morning, what I want to highlight here is how you can be conscious of your calling? How are you going to be awake to it? How are you going to, uh, to, to walk it out? Because that's what this first verse says. He, he said, I want you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. How are you going to be conscious of that? When he said to walk it out, what he meant there is you got to live it out of your life. It's something that it starts moving, it starts flowing, it starts coming out of your life. And this includes, but is certainly not limited to, you know what we'd call fivefold type ministry? That's Ephesians 4 and verse 11. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. God calls different people to various positions in full-time ministry. But 
it, it includes that. It's definitely not limited to that because he might call you to be doctors and lawyers and such. He, he could call you to be school teachers, bus drivers, astronauts. Anyone ever called to be an astronaut? I mean, God has got any number of things that he can put in your heart for the call of God to take place in your life. It really is a matter of you discovering it and walking it out. And, you know, when you talk about the call of God, very often it's the things that you enjoy, the things that you are good at, and very often the things that might stretch you a little bit to grow in your faith. Now, I'm on a kick about the call of God because it's something that's stirring in me. I can't help but sense the destiny that God has got for my life. I can't help but feel a destiny that he's got for this church, a destiny that he has for your life in the days in which we live. That's part of your calling. Now, let's highlight for you the call of God here in this first verse. Paul is writing, he said, as a prisoner of the Lord, he said, I beseech you, I'm imploring you, I'm encouraging you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. I'm going to stop right there and highlight to you that Paul was a prisoner. And what this tells to me about the call of God is if you really want to walk it out, there are some things that you're going to have to let go of. There are some freedoms that you might have to lay down in order to embrace what God has called you to. I mean, there's some things in your life that, that you, you might have to actively let go of so you can pick up the call of God. And I find that very interesting. We don't know exactly what prison that Paul wrote this in. He, he wrote in the Mambertine prison, that's a prison, a subterranean prison in Rome, when he penned 2 Timothy 4 and verse 6. And he said, I'm pouring my life out as a drink offering. He said, I'm giving up my freedom. I know it's going to cost me everything, but I've pursued the will of God, the call of God that's on my life. You know how Jesus said it in Mark chapter 8? He said, if you desire to find your own life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake and the gospels, you'll find it. And there's something about being willing to let go and give up everything to follow what God has put in your heart. That's the place that he calls us to as believers. So there are some things in your life you're going to have to let go of so you can pick something else up. And this is what I have discovered about God's call and his, and his gifts and his callings. You're going to have to maybe let go of some pride, maybe some arrogance, maybe an ego or an ambition that you have or unrealistic expectations about the way you think things should go so that you can walk out exactly what God has for you. Man, I think about Paul. <laughs> who was a prisoner of the Lord. Here, here's Paul, and he's basically said, you know, I've surrendered, I've given everything I have up to, to fulfill the will of God. And I'll tell you what you do not find in the attitudes in many churches and believers today is that attitude that is willing to let go of something. I was watching a man on the news named Arthur Pauleski. Anyone kept up with Arthur up there in Canada? You seen this guy on the news, the Canadian guy? And he has been arrested multiple times because He's feeding people out of his ministry, and the Canadian government has clamped down on that. I mean, can you imagine that? The man was arrested. He did find his way down here to America. <coughs> Excuse me. And in America, like, you know, he was able to travel. He was able to go places. And, and when he, he said, I feel like I have to go back to Canada, even though I know I'll be arrested when I get back. And as soon as he got off the plane, he was arrested. And his crime is that he's having church services and feeding people. He gave up some freedom to embrace what God called him to do. And I'm just letting you know, in, in these days in which we live, man, you, you, you better be up to the task. 
Because there might be some things that God is calling you to let go of. There are certain sacrifices <coughs> that you have to make to achieve what God has called you to do. Think about these sacrifices that he's going to lay out here. What does it mean to walk worthy of God's calling? Let me highlight for it in verse number two. Watch this. And excuse me, <laughs> I need a drink. <coughs> I don't have COVID, don't worry. I just have a sore throat. Mm. All right, watch this. Verse number two is how you walk it out. He said, with all lowliness. That's a word that means humility. If you want to walk worthy of the call of God, it is really going to take some humility on your part to do that. It's not how high you jump sometimes. It really is how low you go. Humility is willing to uh, accept God's sovereignty over your life instead of having your own freedom of choice in situations. It really just accepts that, God, you've got a plan, and I am going to walk it out regardless of what it costs me. You know, I had a family member one time, and they came to me, and they said, man, Jordan, you are such a likable guy, and, and you communicate so well, and it's just a shame that you became a pastor because you could have made a lot of money doing something else. <laughs> and I, I had to laugh at that because that might be a little bit of truth in that, but the idea is that I've given my life over to the Lord in humility. I'm just trying to follow the plan that God has laid out ahead of me. If you want to think about how you're going to walk out God's plan for your life, he said it's done with humility, and then he uses this word gentleness, which is the word meekness. It's, it's like the idea of a strength that is under control, like a bridle in a horse's mouth. And that just means that there's sometimes when you got to know which battles to pick and fight, and, and, and when you're trying to achieve a destiny and walk out the things that God has put in your heart, maybe there's moments when... You know, you got to know your limits, not push too hard. Just, just submit yourself to, to the pace and the grace that God has given to you. Walking out the call of God in verse 2 requires long-suffering, which is a word that means patience. Patience means that you understand that God's timetable is good for your life, even if you feel like you're frustrated with how long it takes to play out. His timetable is always good, and it means you just go along with the, with the role there. Just, just be patient with the Lord. I, I mean, I think about how long it takes to achieve the will of God or the call of God on a person's life. You know, when you read Paul's letters here, it, you could read these pretty quickly. You may not realize that he wrote these over a period of 20 years. I mean, he's writing scripture, and it took 20 years from the time the book of Acts was written, and he's writing Galatians, and he finishes up in, in 2 Timothy or I think about Daniel the prophet from the time that he was uh, taken captive in, as a Jewish boy in Babylon. He was probably 17 years old. And it wasn't until he was about 110 that his ministry came to an end. That's like an 80 or 90 year period of him writing out the book of Daniel. While he was serving the king, being an advisor, 80 or 90 years. Think about the patience that he had to have. Think about the, the endurance that that required. I was thinking about my friend, Brother Brant. I mean, he was 89 years old when I was hanging out with him, and I relished every moment that I had with him because he had a perspective about life. All those years of patience enduring uh, the call of God in his life. Yeah, you want to walk worthy of what God has called you to do? He, he says that it's done bearing with one another in love. That's the word that means, it's the word forbearance. It means that you're willing to put up with someone or something in a spirit of love 
when you don't really feel like doing it. <laughs> I mean, I remember when I was in India. When you are a white preacher in India, everybody wants to be your friend. But the problem with the people in India is they have no concept of social space. And so you've got a group of people all around you, and it's like you can hardly get away. You're surrounded by people, and it's exhausting, it's tiring. And then if they find out you have a Facebook account, they want to friend you, they want to message you in the middle of the night, they're asking you for prayer and for money. <laughs> and yet you have to be Jesus' representative, bearing with people in love. I mean, that's what it's like to raise children, isn't it? Bearing patiently with children in love so they see it real at home walking worthy of the call of God. He says in verse 3 that you have to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know what I've discovered about unity is that it's a lot of work. I mean, unity does exist. It's something that has to be maintained in the Spirit. And when we're talking about unity, what we're really talking about is people who are willing to say, I'm going to put uh, the priority of unity ahead of my own personal ambition." This is done through relationships with people, the hard work of getting to know people, loving on people. I mean, I got friends that, man, we might have some theological differences. There's some things in my closed hand I'm not letting go of, but I have areas where I can, you know, love on people. We can connect. We can have unity. It's a relational unity that works together, and that requires some effort on your part to just be at peace with people, to work with people. That's how the call of God is worked out in your life. That's how things take place. I I remember um, we were just having off of our uh, revival services with my friend Ted, and I was pretty exhausted on Friday night. Like, we had gone all week and uh, wore ourselves out. We wore half the church out. And uh, I had another buddy in town. He had a meeting taking place, and they wanted me to come. It was a Saturday night, and I felt impressed in my heart to be up at that meeting. So I made the effort to get up, get over there, and be part of what they were doing. And I did it because I wanted to maintain unity together as a group of ministers in the kingdom. And, and that's part of what I feel God has put on my life, just, just called to be a person of unity, called to work for the Lord, called, called to be there. So there's some things you're going to have to give up if you are going to fulfill the call of God in your life. There's some things you've got to let go of. You're going to have to uh, work to do things that maybe are not easy or not comfortable, and, and you're going to have to maybe give up some freedoms that you have. This is what the Bible teaches. If you really want to succeed in a destiny that God has called you to do, if you want to thrive at it, be good at it, fulfill the will of God for your life and what he's called you to do, you might end up like Paul in a place where you've let go of some things. Now let's highlight a, a second thought here. Uh, verse number four. He said, there's one body. Now, I've never taught through these verses before. These are great verses. One body, that's the body of Christ. Christians, who are the blood-bought, they come from every tribe, nation, and tongue across the world. Many different denominations, Methodists, some Catholics, Lutherans, anyone who claims the name of Christ and believes upon him with their heart is going to be saved. He said, one body, one spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. I mean, that's a fascinating phrase. One hope of your calling. God has a specific purpose in what he's called you to do. He said there's, in verse 5, one Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, one faith, the Christian faith, one baptism into Jesus, one God and Father of all, who's above all and through all and in you all. I like this verse. One hope of your calling. And here's what this showed me 
about what God calls you to do and how you have to process it, is that there is a redemptive purpose to the call of God that's on your life, a redemptive value. There's something about it that requires hope. And that's a phrase unique to Ephesians. Paul said that. It means that there's a, a, a value for it. It's, it's purposeful. It's redemptive in nature. And Paul actually prayed in Ephesians 1 for the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened, that you would know the hope of the call of God. And there's something about when God reveals his purpose to you. He reveals a plan or he, 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 he puts a burden in your heart. And maybe it's working with the kids ministry. Maybe it's you know, uh, at a job he's asked you to do, or it's going the extra mile to help a neighbor with something. There's, there, there's a purpose in what he's calling and asking you to do. That word, you know, when you think about God's calling, a lot of times it can be real vague and almost seem nebulous. Like, man, I don't really understand, you know, what, what he's asking me to do and, and a little bit ambiguous, but but the thing I've discovered about God is as you walk in that call, it's the hope of a call, and as you're walking it out, suddenly it becomes more clear to you. The purpose becomes more revealed. The understanding you have, it's like you, you see a destiny unfolding in front of you. Because you know, God might call different people to different things. He called me to be a pastor, and that's something he put in my heart, but he calls people in all kinds of things. Teachers. He calls people to you know, be plumbers. He calls people to work with kids and be stay-at-home moms or work at hospitals. I thank God for doctors and nurses in times like this. I mean, he's, he's got purposes that he puts in people's life. And what happens is, is, is as you walk that thing out and you discover the hope for it, it becomes more clear, more full, more understood to you. And think about how hard it is to fight for unity. That's the context of the passages right here. Unity is something that requires your efforts. You're going to have to work hard to be at peace with all people, maintain relationships. And unity is such a crucial, crucial thing. But you got to fight for the call of God. It's something that you, you might feel inferior. You might feel insecure. You might feel like you're comparing yourself with other people, wondering why, you know, why are they called to do that? And I only have this particular thing that God's put in my heart. And you have to fight for it. When we talk about, you know, fighting for the call of God, that, that means that, uh, you're going to have to stay positive in what God has called you to do. I, I'm just talking to you about things I've had to personally walk through. And a lot of times the battle is just saying, well, uh, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to stay persistent. I believe that God has got something for me. There's a hope in my calling. There's a purpose. There's a value in what God is asking me to do. And this is right where the devil will try to distract you and get you off tilt. He'll try to push you off course. Because he wants you to get outside of the hope that God has called you to do. I like what he said in verse 6 about one God and Father who's above all, through all, and in you all. That's a verse about hope right there. You understand that when you deal with God, he is above all, that he is completely sovereign in all situations. That he, he knows the end from the beginning, and he's totally able to be in control of a situation as long as you're staying in his will or in his calling. He, he's got situations figured out. And he might actually have put you in certain positions that you don't understand. You can't figure out, why am I in this spot? Why am I working in this field? But what God is doing is he's working out his purpose and calling you. And you may not see it in the moment, but if you walk down the road long enough with God, you'll discover purpose and calling. He's above all. He's also working through all. 
I like that. Because the Bible says that uh, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That means that he's at work in you, in the situations, when you don't see it, when you don't feel like it, when you can't understand it, when you're frustrated, when you think, God, I don't know what's going on here. All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. He's at work in situations. When you question it and you wonder about it, he's at work. There's a hope to it. There's a purpose with it. He's above all. He's through all. And I like how it says he's in you all. Mm. The same Jesus, the same spirit that raised him up from the dead dwells on the inside of you and me. I mean, that, that, there's a hope. He's living on the inside of me. I like that because it means when I show up in certain situations and I know that I've got a calling in my life, I have hope in these areas. I have hope that things are going to turn around. I have hope that God did it before. He'll do it again. Among the things that God has called me to do, you know what he's put a grace on my life for? I can't explain it. I have the ability to help people navigate through conflict and conflict resolution. It means that uh, people like me, I can come across uh, kind, like they're they believe what I'm saying and I'm sincere. And so if you end up in a bad spot with a person, and I, I can walk them through it. I don't know how it happens. It just happens. And I guess, you know, I, I believe that. I have hope with that. And it means that every time I show up, I expect things are going to turn out good. Things are going to turn for good. Everything is going to work out. Like, we'll get through rough patches. We'll get through difficult situations. It's the hope of a calling at work. It happens when people, I know who, they'll pray for people. And, and it's like, man, they have faith to believe that God is going to heal people. So they'll pray for them, and, and God will touch them because there's a hope of the call of God. I hope every time I preach, people get revelation and hear the word of God. It's a hope that I have, and it takes place when the word of God is taught. And I don't specifically know what he's called you to do, but he's put something in you, and he works through you. So when you show up in situations, the hope of the call of God is manifest. People get delivered. People get free. People get excited about the Lord. That's all part of his calling on your life. There's a positive purpose in what God has called you to do. Don't ever lose sight of that. Don't diminish it. Don't walk away from it. Don't neglect it. You're going to have to understand that he's put it in your heart so you can be a blessing to somebody else. One hope of the calling that he has on your life. I'm just teaching you about the call of God. You're going to have to lay something down to achieve it. You're going to have to fight and stay positive about what he's called you to do because there's a purpose to it. And then here is number three. And this is a verse that set me free in so many ways as I, as I studied it. Verse number seven. But he said to each one of us, say, to me, to every person in the room, grace was given. He said, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, let, let me help you out with this one. You're going to have to just accept God's calling. Accept it. On one hand, you've got to lay it down or lay down your freedom. On the other hand, you have to accept the thing that God has called you to do. To each one of us, grace was given, which means coming to terms with the special details that God has about his special plan for your life. There's certain details about that call of God that are out of your control that God has given you that he and he alone will work out in your life. This is Romans chapter 12 and verse 6. He's going to talk about spiritual gifts. And he says each one of us was given a measure. You know that word measure right there? It, it's a Greek word, that, the metron. It's a word that means a, 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 a sphere of influence. God has given you a metron. He's given you a sphere of influence. He's, he's given you 
a, a, a certain capacity in the time that you live to do something. And he's given you grace. That grace, he, that's an ability. That's a gifting. He, he, he's given you grace. He's given you a sphere of influence. This is dealing with your calling. He's called you to do something. He's anointed you for it. He's given you a purpose to do it. And the sooner that you just accept that call, the happier you're going to be. Because I'll tell you what people do is they end up getting jealous about what God has put in someone else's life, and and they think that that should be what they're called to do, and so they question or they wonder. And, And sometimes this is what causes people to get outside of God's calling for their life. This is what explains bad bosses at jobs. Somebody got ambitious and they wanted to go work somewhere, but we all know they shouldn't be in a leadership position. That's not really the grace that they have. That's not the gift that God had for them. And, and so they create problems and chaos as they go. I see this in ministry all the time. People get jealous about certain skill sets that other people have, and, and they want that skill set. This explains why you got music pastors sometimes who are amazing leading worship, but they're not very good at leading churches because they might want something and they step outside of what God has called them to do. And if you will accept what God has simply called you to do, accept the grace that he's given you, accept the skill set that he's given you, understand the circle of influence that he's given you, it becomes easier to walk out God's plan and God's purpose for your life. That means you got to accept your inheritance. Think about the fact that you had no control over when and where you were born. You had no control over who your parents were. You were born for such a time as this. Paul said in Acts chapter 17 that God predetermined their appointed times and the boundaries for nations and people. Generally, it was the will of God for Israel to inherit the 12 tribes, to to be in that place. And there is a certain inheritance that God has put you here on this earth for, for such a time as this. And it's just part of the place he puts you at. It just means that you're going to have to Do everything that you can to influence the world around you with the time that you had. You have to just accept the inheritance that was given to you, the place that you were born. To each one of us, grace is given. To each one of us, there's a measure given. You're you're born in the time that you're in. To each one of us, everyone's got a certain skill set. And the thing about your skill set, as we said, is that it is your skill set. And that means there's just certain things that you do well. Certain things you're naturally good at. And I know how it is. Sometimes you question what you have, don't think it's very significant, and you want the gift that God gave somebody else. I had to laugh because I was talking to one of my friends about this. This is a pastor friend of mine, and his wife and I were talking. And and so she was talking about how God had, you know, called her in in, in, ministry, and her prophetic gift was developing. She wanted to know about the gifts that I have. And I started telling her, you know, I get excited because when I want to preach a message, God will give me a great outline from the Bible. And she, I get it in dream, an outline from the Bible. <laughs> I was like, that's what he does. I get it in dreams and visions. It comes to me in the middle of the night. He just helps me outline scripture so I can teach it. It's an organized ability. I can't help this what he gave me. I'm just trying to utilize it. I try to have organization in my home. You ought to come over to the house sometime. It's not dusted, but everything is put together pretty clean. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all part of what God calls people to do. He's given you a skill set. And by the way, with that skill set, with that grace he gave you, you, you better develop it. You better steward it. Peter said, grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. I mean, you've got 
You want to hand something back. You want to take what God has given you and give it back to him. That's part of what he's called you to do. He's called you to be a blessing. Yeah. You know, the other thing you have to accept when we talk about the call of God is you have to accept the adversity that inevitably is headed your direction. It is going to take time, difficult, frustration, problems to really achieve what God has called you to do. There's adversity along the way. You can't escape it. Now, I know that young people and millennials today are, are soft and don't want to have to go through things, but that is inevitably what's going to happen along the way. And this is what Paul said. He's talking here about, you know, the grace that's given to you. He's then going to talk about fivefold ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, which he says in verse 12 is for the equipping of the saints and for the work of the ministry. In other words, he's got people in your life that are going to rub off some rough edges. They're going to smooth them, some, some things out in your life. And that's all part of the process of, of God growing and developing. He uses ministers. He uses your mother. He uses your friends. He uses whoever he can to help rough some, smooth some rough places out and, and work things together for his good. That's all part of his call. And you know when you deal with people, what you're going to have is adversity. You're going to have frustration. You're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have good days and bad days. You're going to have people who tell you the truth because they love you. And it may not be a bed of roses everywhere you go, but that's all part of walking out what God has called you to do. Man, I think back about some of the early years I had in the ministry and how I used to complain about some of the situations I find myself in. And, and, and I can say that years later, I'm so grateful for difficult situations that I went through. I'm grateful for the struggles and trials. I'm grateful for the the bad days, and I'm grateful for everything I learned in seasons like that because they help you mature in the call that God has for you. You gotta accept it. You gotta accept your inheritance. You gotta accept the skill set that he gave. You gotta accept the adversity that comes as part of it. And if you can do that, you can achieve, succeed, and fulfill the will of God that he's got for your life. Huh. I was thinking back about my time with my dear friend, Brother R.L. Brandt. How grateful was I to have that guy in my life? Man, he is an and I'm great. finished well. And I was thinking back about his stories, his struggles, his trials. Man, I'm grateful for Brother Brent. I'm grateful to have met people who were called by the Lord to do something, and then they walked it out. Mm. Man, I, how many of y'all want to finish your race strong before the Lord and walk in what God has called you to do? Because listen, his calling is different for every person in the room. Yeah, God's got a calling on your life. Mm. And if you want to walk that out and you want to finish strong and you want to fulfill the will of God that he's got for your life, here's what it means. It means there's some things you're going to have to lay down. There's some things you're going to have to let go of. Paul found himself as a prisoner of the Lord. And this is a lot of the problems that we see in society today. People unwilling to let go of what they have in order to really fulfill the will of God for their life. I don't ever want to be in a place where, where I, that can be said about me. I'm willing to just say, Lord, whatever it is. And you know what I find is that the, I, I pray that prayer and he will take more things out, but he'll put more of himself in. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful. There's some things you've got to let go of. If you want to walk out what God has called you to do, you also have to expect that God is going to use you. 
He's got a redemptive value for your life. And you might think, I I don't see it. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like I am anything significant or important. You might sit there and think, I don't even know what I have to offer. But you have to expect that God wants to use you to impact the lives of other people. There's a hope to your calling. And this is a real thing. People struggle with this. They don't understand the, the, the value that God has placed in them to be a blessing to somebody else. When I think about my boy James Bonner over here on job scenes, he's always talking to people. And God uses that to be a blessing, to witness to people, to encourage people, to love people. That's part of who God made him to be. Always a light wherever he goes. If you want to walk out the call of God into your life, you just have to accept his calling. Accept it. Don't struggle with it. Don't fight for it. Or don't, fight, don't, don't oppose it. Just, just accept that he's got you and he's given you a skill set to use. He's given you some things. How, how many of you want to grow in your, in your call and, and know what it is more and more and more and more and just have it be revealed every day? Yeah. And it's all from walking it, as I was saying. I feel one thing, before I pray for it, I do feel one thing, and that's that uh, on Wednesdays, you know, we're going to, starting here in January, I'm team development for youth ministry, team development for small group ministry. I'm, you know, kicking those back up, and, and uh, we'll be doing that in January. I feel God is calling us, uh, specifically in the area of families. Man, we've got such great families here, and I feel, like, I feel like that's something God has put in my heart. But, you know, it got there because I was praying about it. And, you're all, and it was like unfolding in front of me. I started seeing it and feeling like that's what God was leading me to do. And you're all going to face moments like that. Let, let's just take a moment here and let's pray for the call of God to be fully revealed and for you to walk in it. In Jesus' name, I'm, Lord, I, I just I pray over everyone in this room that, that are excited about you, that want to know what you've called them to do. I pray, Lord, that we would lay our lives down and carry our cross and pick it up daily on a daily basis, walk with you, get to know you, get acquainted with you, open ourselves up to you. Lord, I pray that we would just accept the things that you've put in our hearts and grow in them. They'd be easy. They wouldn't be hard. It wouldn't be a struggle. It'd be easy for us to follow your purpose and plan. You make it real. Lord, I just, I thank you for the purpose of God that you've put in people's hearts and minds today. I pray it. I believe it. Thank you for your grace that helps us get through difficult times and grow with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a World War II buff. I love studying World War II history. And uh, I was reading about a man who was a German soldier. And uh, he was kind of drafted into the Nazi army. And as he was doing that, he decided he wanted to get married. He had fallen in love with this girl named Margaret. And he got married to Margaret like people did in those days before the war. And and the hope of Margaret kept him going. So within a few short weeks of World War II breaking out, he found himself on the front lines in Russia. And almost immediately, he was taken captive. I mean, he ended up in a Russian prison in a work camp. And the thing that kept him going was the memory of Margaret. He had Margaret on his mind day in, day out. I mean, he was thinking about her. And those days turned into months, turned into years. It was four or five years before the war came to an end. And when it came to an end, they started releasing German prisoners. He was so excited to hear that his buddies were getting shipped back. And every day he waited to get a notice that he would go back uh, until one day that notice came. So excited to go back to Germany 
And we got there. He was shocked to see everything blown up, buildings burned down. And he ended up over at the place, the street that, that Margaret was living on. And to his amazement, when he got to her house, it was like one of the only homes in the area that was still standing. And he came to that house. It was the moment of truth. And his heart was racing. He knocked on the door, a few knocks. It was quiet for a bit. And then he heard the footsteps of, of a woman. He thought, that sounds like Margaret. And as soon as she opened the door, there she was, as beautiful as he remembered. And she looked at him wide-eyed, and she shut the door, immediately shut the door. And he stayed there knocking. I mean, how could this happen to him? He'd been in love. It was his wife. He was knocking, and, and, and no answer came. And you know why there was no answer? Because somebody else was living in the house. I mean, he looked through the window. He sighed. She'd given up a man staring back at him. And over the course of time, what happened was... She thought that he died, she'd given up hope, and she had gone ahead and married somebody else. And this is a great story that reminds me of why people either don't accept what God calls them to do, or they never accept Jesus in their heart. Because the truth is, there might be someone else living inside your heart, might be someone else living inside your home. And maybe it's the world, maybe it's selfishness, maybe it's the devil, maybe, maybe it's just your preoccupation with other things. But this is, this is what happens to people. It's all locked up inside. And I just want to give you the opportunity this morning, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've got other things in your heart that are preventing you from really stepping out, fully knowing who he is, and opening your heart fully and embracing Jesus, I want to just give you that opportunity. That's where discovering a purpose starts. It starts with having Jesus in your life. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you have never accepted the Lord, if you've really never understood his lordship in your life, never made room for him, I want to just give you the opportunity to pray with you. You can fulfill his purpose and his plan and all that he has for you in these days in which we live. Amen. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with us this morning? Man, we are so grateful that you came out to church today. <laughs> I've got great hope for our city. You know that? I know right now there's a lot of people stressed out, struggling, sick, hospitals are full. Thank you for all the nurses that are working hard doing that. Um, I have great hope about what the future holds. I've got hope about Billings. I've got hope about this church. I just want to thank you for coming out today. I want you to know that we bless you. And if you need prayer this morning, these altars are open. We can pray with you. I don't know what burden you're faced with, a difficult thing. Maybe it's just something that God's calling you to do and you don't know how to articulate it. And you need prayer for that. We're here for you. And I just want to, just want to bless you as we go today. Thank you for coming out to church. I want to challenge you invite someone out to church next week. And remember, we are taking our children to the maze, which will be a lot of fun because Elizabeth and I love to do that, don't we, baby? <laughs> all right. We love you very much. Uh, we'll catch you all next week. Amen.